Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today's episode is about woman and man versus machine. What I mean by that is we're in a world where technology is advancing so fast and brands are transforming at rapid rate, but must not sacrifice the human experience. How can you balance both? What will the next three to five years bring and how can people adapt to elevate loyalty on a grand scale? I'm excited to introduce you to Stephen Van Belgium, a best-selling author who knows a lot about doing customer experience right in the digital age, where Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, NFTs is our reality. He shares impactful best practices so you can succeed, whether you have a small budget or large. If you like this show, and I know you will, please share it with others and subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channels. It would mean a lot. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hey, Stacey. Thanks for having me on the show. So let's start out with telling the audience who you are. What do you do professionally? Because I'm a real fan of all the content you are putting out there. Uh, thank you. That is so nice to hear. Well, I'm, I'm Steven, Steven van Bellegem. I, I live in Europe, in Belgium. And, and the core of my passion is basically to create as many content as possible about the future of customer experience and share that on multiple platforms. I've written five books about the topic. I share a lot on YouTube, on my blog, give a lot of presentations about customer experience. And, and next to being a content creator and a speaker, I started a company called Nextworks. Nextworks is an inspiration agency where we take executives to innovative hubs in the world. So we take European executives, people from the US, and then we take them to Silicon Valley or Dubai, Singapore, China, to have like a front row seat to see what's going on in the field of customer experience and, and innovation. So that's a really cool company to be involved with. And, and I'm also, but that's like a few days a year, I'm a, a marketing professor in a Belgian business school and a guest lecturer at the London Business School. You are quite busy. <laughs> I am, I am, but I'm really, f I, it sounds like a lot of different things that I do, but the truth is they're all organized about customer experience. Everything is linked back to that, to that core topic. And that makes it, I mean, pretty easy to deal with and to organize my days in my life. What's your why? Why do you do what you do? Well, I, my, my dream is to make sure that every customer in the world gets great service. That's what I would love to, to see happening and that people get excited and that we don't see all the negative stories anymore about customer service and customer experience, but that we see the, the, the happy faces and that we hear these happy stories. That's what I love to do. And that's my, that's my end goal. We share the same passion. And that is why I was so happy you said yes to join my show because we are creating a movement and it does take a lot of us, but I see the change happening. You too, where you live? Absolutely. And I, I think that COVID was actually an accelerator of that, that more and more businesses understood that they need to 
focus more on the customer and that expectations of people are going up and that behavior can change very rapidly. And if you don't understand that change in behavior and you don't follow that change in behavior, that yeah, things will, will go badly for your business. So I think the awareness and the willingness to act upon delivering a higher customer experience has certainly increased in the last couple of months. And I love the fact that you're in Belgium, I'm in the United States, and <laughs> it's not different. I mean, where we're cultures are different, but the mission and the experiences, it's human and we're sharing a human experience, which is why I love this topic that you focus on around digital experiences, because how do you balance the digital technology? You have IoT, you have AI, you've got so much new enhancements. How do you do customer experience right in the digital age? Uh, that, that's a very good question. And, and you know, in the past 10 years, everything was focused on delivering a very convenient digital experience. And that's how companies like Uber and Amazon and Airbnb, that's how they, they grew so rapidly. They were more convenient than the offline counterparts. But today, I mean, now we're at the end of 2021. Today, digital convenience is the norm. It's, it's not how you win the game. It's how you stay in business. So then the question pops up. If digital convenience becomes a commodity, how can you make a difference today towards your customers? And I, I believe in this concept that I've been playing with quite a lot in the last couple of months. I call it organizations need to try to become a partner in life of their customers and a partner in life thinks about the human behind the customer. And it's not really the goal anymore just to optimize your customer journey, which is often very transactional, but the goal is to improve the life journey of customers, which is more emotional. Uh, it's understanding that every customer has like a movie of, of her life or his life in the back of their head uh, with dreams and with fears and with ambitions and with things that they hope will happen. And if you understand those, then you can look at the core strength of your organization and ask yourself, how can we leverage that strength in a better way to make sure that we add value in the day-to-day -day life of, of customers? And I think that's a challenge. And that's where technology can help us on the one hand by automating things, by connecting certain services to make it uh, very accessible and that you hardly need to do any effort to achieve something. But it's not just technology, it's also the human part. I think the probably the, the biggest skill that you need to become a partner in life is empathy. And that's a typical human skill. And that combination, you know, understanding how digital can help to make the life of customers easier and to, you know, add value in different ways, but also by adding value through the empathic human part of the relationship. If you can combine those, you can become a partner in, in life. And that's how I believe you can make a difference in the next decade. Uh, in the past decade, it was all about convenience. This is the norm. The next decade will be about how can you add value to the lives of customers and how can you optimize that life journey? That's what I strongly believe in. So what do you think about the fact that companies are relying on technology in place of human communication? where customers are going in this circular loop to get help. That's a trend happening. And yeah. that's not yeah. what we call humanizing business. <laughs> no, 
No, and and you know that I'm a fan of technology and and using technology to optimize the customer experience. But the worst thing that you can do is just cutting out human interactions and believing that self-service and chatbots can replace all humans. I mean, if you look to all research that we saw in the past five years, they all say the same. Every customer in every industry wants to have access to a human in case of a complexity, in case when something emotional happens, in case when you need to explain more context. In all those situations, you want to talk to a human. When is a machine good enough? When it's very transactional, when it's a yes or a no kind of question, when you want to activate something and it just requires a push of a button, if you want some factual information, then digital is fine. But in all those other situations, people want to talk to a human. Take the insurance industry, for instance. I think in 90% of the cases, it's fine for me to communicate through an, through an app. If I have a small car accident, I can take a picture of the damage I send it to the insurer, and then they have to fix that and don't bother me with it. I mean, that that's my expectation, fast and easy. But when your house burns down, or when there's a lot of damage after a storm, or when someone passed away in your, in your family, then you don't want to talk to a bot. That's the moment when you want to have that human interaction. And smart companies really understand that. Like a good example uh, is Booking.com. And the largest hotel booking site in, in the Western world. I, I work together with them quite a lot and they have one, they're a digital platform. They have millions of bookings per day and it's all self-service, but they also have one of the largest contact centers in the world. They have thousands of people who sit there and they use them proactively because they know out of their system that something will go wrong with a hotel booking. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Usually they know that up front and then proactively they call someone and say, Hey, there's an overbooking in the hotel that you book, but if you want, we can put you in another hotel. It's very close to the one that you book, and it's similar in price and similar in, in luxury level. Shall we do that for you? And that proactivity is extremely appreciated by customers. And the fact that it's a human who calls reinsures them that someone is taking care of them. But the most impressive part of what I saw at Booking.com is that they have this specialized team of people that are sitting there waiting to talk to customers and and their goal or their target audience are customers who really had a very, very, very bad, intense situation during a holiday uh, because holidays are fun, but you can get robbed. You can have a, a car accident. Someone can die during a holiday. So a lot of bad things can happen. And they have this really dedicated team of highly skilled people to help you through that entire process. And they will do whatever it takes to make sure if something bad happens to you, that they will help you, not just with the hotel, but with everything that is related to that. And you can imagine if you're in a situation like that and you get help in such an emotional, empathic way and they take care of you when you're in trouble, you know what happens to, to your loyalty and your engagement towards that company. So that, that combination of the digital interface and the human interface and each using them on their specific strength, I think that is the future of customer experience. So what I hear you saying is that brand leaders need to understand and consider the need for proactive communication versus reactive. And also, it sounds like the volume of that pain point. In other words, like you talked about in severe cases, a fire example versus 
a package delivery that's going to be late. There's a clear difference and an opportunity to use a human intervention versus an automated system. Yeah, absolutely. That is the perfect summary that you just made. So what do you see as the trend of technology? I mean, I've heard an impactful statement recently that the next five years is going to be so much more advanced than the last 10. Maybe it's going to be the next three years, not even five. What do you see coming and how can that enhance experiences? Right. I I, I see two important trends. And and the first one is definitely, without any doubt, AI, uh, the the automation that will go to the next level. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with the fashion site Shein. Um, very popular in the US. It has more downloads now than, uh, than Amazon has in terms of e-commerce. And Shein is, the, is a fashion site where mainly young girls go to to buy all kinds of yeah, t-shirts and skirts and everything. What a lot of people don't know is that it's a Chinese company that is extremely advanced in using AI for their customer experience. And basically what they do is they turn the model of fashion completely upside down. They look at your behavior on the site. They look at on the different things that you click on, that you look at. And then based on that behavior, they will actually make fashion items personalized. So it could very well be that they just make items that only you can buy on their platform. And they can make one or two pieces in their factory and then ship that to you a few days later. So it's almost like real-time fashion that these guys have implemented based on AI. It's almost the system that Facebook and Google are using for their advertising model is now being used in a production environment. And I think we're going to see much more of that. And when we talk about AI and customer service, we always think ah, an upgrade of Alexa or an upgrade of Google Assistant, and that will probably be the case. But I think it will go much deeper than that. I think the, the concept of personalization will be taken to the next level. Personalization used to be digital content. The next step will be personalization that we can actually hold and that is tangible and something that is produced for us or something in a store that changes based on personalization. So the AI will go to the next level. And the, the three benefits that I see for customers because of that are that we're going to have faster than real-time services. It's not about real-time, it's faster than real-time. We will have proactive solutions. Problems will be solved before we even know that there is a problem. The second one is is hyper-personalization. The idea, the old idea of the average customer is completely gone. It's now about the needs of the individual customer and having the ability to actually deliver what they expect there. And convenience levels will go through the roof and will, I I mean, today we call something that has a one click to order. We call that convenient. I think in the future, it will be invisible and it will require zero efforts and AI will be the driver of that. So these three benefits will will, show up really, really soon once AI starts to advance. That's one trend that I find really fascinating. A second one is one that actually popped up this year. It's the whole story about the NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens uh, that that basically started in the beginning of this year with with the hype when Beeple sold his his piece of art, uh, the first, what is it, 5,000 days of the internet that was sold on an auction and someone bought it for 68 million US dollars. And then you owned 
a file, basically. Ah, you, you bought a piece of digital art. And a lot of people don't get it. People are like, yeah, but you cannot even hang it on your wall. I mean, what, where are the bragging rights here? But if you compare it with real art, I mean, take the Mona Lisa, for instance. There's only one Mona Lisa, and it's in the Louvre in Paris. Everyone can still see it. Everyone can visit it. And it's the same thing with these digital pieces of art. I mean, everyone can still see people's piece of art, but there's only one owner. So we now have digital ownership, which means that digital assets now become scarce. And if something becomes scarce, it can increase in value. So the beginning of this NFT hype was all about yeah, people jumping on the wagon and hoping to make a good investment. And maybe the craziest thing that we saw was that the first tweet of Jack Dorsey was sold uh, for $2.5 million. So someone now owns that first tweet. I mean, it's it's crazy if you think about it, but it's what happened. Now, this is the hype stuff, right? What I find fascinating in, in our field is how will brands use the technology of NFT to improve their customer experience? And we're starting to see first experiments where big brands really try to be, yeah, to jump on that wagon as well. Mainly brands that have a strong community that already have a lot of fanship. Those are the ones that are experimenting with them now. And, and I see different approaches, like there's a number of brands that really jump onto the wagon of collectibles and scarce goods like Mattel. Mattel has this brand called Hot Wheels, where you have little toy cars that you can either buy to play with or to collect. Now you have virtual toy cars and you can buy them with Ethereum. And and most of them are now sold for like four Ethereum, which is like 12 to 15,000 US dollars that someone pays for a virtual car. But it's a collectible, right? So a lot of brands play the collectible collectible game. I think where the true value is, is if you start to play it to create benefits for customers that you cannot have without owning an NFT. Like, let, let's make it concrete. There's this band called uh, King of Leon. They have a new album and you can buy the music, you can stream the music, but you can also buy NFTs that give you access to the music. You become part of the owner of certain music but it also unlocks certain benefits for those fans. Like if you buy those NFTs, they give you front row seats when they have a concert. And you can only get those front row seats if you are the owner of one of those NFTs. So it's like a smart contract that is included in that digital asset. And that's where the opportunity is for brands. Imagine that you can create a community it's almost like a branded economy that you make with your brand, where the diehard fans become part of the economy. They can buy digital assets that give them benefits that you wouldn't find otherwise. But if the economy and the brand as well, the value of their assets is also increasing. So they can also benefit from the fact that the brand is doing well. And these branded economies, where you give that community these extra benefits, I think that's going to be probably the most fascinating domain to follow in the next three to five years in 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 our yeah, expertise field to customer experience. So I'm very much looking forward to that. First of all, I love how you described all of this because people still have a fear of technology and it's confusing to the average person right now. It won't be but right now it is. And so I love your description. And I also wholeheartedly believe that personalization is essential. That's what's going to make brands win. And it's going to become 
even more important. Now, there are brands that are small, small companies, and there's new startup divisions and corporations. Where do you say, how do you start? How do you really begin with a low budget to capitalize on the technology age and improve customer experiences? But again, they're starting up, they're testing, they're piloting. Where do you begin? Um, very good point and, and very relevant. Um, many businesses don't have a CX budget and still they want to create a fantastic customer experience. My recommendation is to, to become a friction hunter. Do that as a first step. And a friction hunter is someone, can be anyone who's listening, that looks at their business from the point of view of the customer and is asking themselves, where are we creating frictions? And the definition of a friction is some part of the customer journey where you waste the time of your customers. Uh, time is the scarcest resource all of us have. And people don't want to invest time in things that don't bring them value. So you have to look for every small detail in your organization where you waste the time of customers. Those are frictions. And then you list them. And if you do that with a group of people, with two or two or three of your colleagues, I'm sure that you can list like, five to 10 to 20 frictions. You can just list them because you know them. And half of them are usually very easy to solve. And that's where you start. And you do that exercise every month or every two months. And after a while, you will see that the overall perception of your customers will increase tremendously because of that. They may not really know what you're doing differently, but they, they will feel that something changed. And they will say, I don't know what you're doing, but we like it keep doing a great job. That's where to start. That's the first one. Requires usually zero budget. The second one is make sure that you have a network of people around you with the skills that you need to place first steps digitally. Imagine that you say, okay, I want to communicate in a better way on, on Instagram or on Facebook. Make sure that you have someone in your network that can help you to do that at a in a qualitative way so that you don't look amateuristic. And there are a lot of people out there who have those skills and are not expensive at all. The same for your website, the same maybe, imagine that one day you need to have a video call or you want to do an, an, an online event through Zoom. Make sure that you have someone who can give you those skills if you don't have them yourself. And by creating this ecosystem of people around you with specific skills that you can call upon when you need them, it makes you flexible. It makes sure that you will have all possibilities that you need to deliver digital experiences. And usually you can do that with a very, very low budget. Excellent. Friction Hunter. Fantastic. Yes. Love that <laughs> term. I'm going to be using that and quoting you. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about employee experience because we know that. Employees who are engaged to deliver customer excellence is everything. What does employee experience mean to you in the digital age and how do you really drive that? Yeah, excellent, excellent point. Um, I think we all know that employee experience drives customer experience. You cannot expect your customers to be happy if your employees are not happy. So there, there's a one-on-one -on -one link 
And probably this is the most interesting time ever to talk about this. Uh, if, if you look to the past 10, 15 years, marketing and communication completely reinvented themselves. They, they looked for the opportunities of digital and they, they played with them and they created completely new experiences. If you look into the field of HR and employee experience, I think that we haven't seen that same evolution yet. I think those departments that are responsible for employee experience are often a little bit more conservative, more operational, and didn't use the full potential yet. But today we're getting almost post-COVID and many people discovered the benefits of working from home, digital tools, the, the, a complete new lifestyle. So this is the moment in time to rethink employee experience because a lot of people are going to have questions about their future, about how they see their relationship with their employer. They had time to think it over. They know what they like. They know what they dislike. This is the moment in time to do it. And I personally believe that everything that works for a customer also works for an employee. But usually it's even more important. Let, let's take you know an item that I've been working a lot with the last few months is how can you link your co corporate social responsibility back to customer experience? Uh, if you, if you do it on the side, usually not that many people are aware of it. I think you need to link it back and look at your core strengths and use those to add value to society and involve customers in that. That, that's a trend that I see in CX. But for employees, that's even more important. I mean, people don't want to work for an organization anymore that is just about making money. It's about how are we contributing to solving certain problems in the world and how can I contribute to that by working for this organization? So yes, adding value to society is important for customers, but it's even far more important for employees. The same with what I just mentioned, friction hunting. We want our customers not to waste time. So we make it frictionless. That's what we try to do. But it's crazy that we wouldn't do the same for employees because as an employer, you're paying all your employees a lot of money and you hope that they're going to deliver the best job ever when they work for you. But you don't want them to waste time looking through some internal portal to, to figure out how they can get a new keyboard if their keyboard is broken or, you know, to, to set up meetings. It has to be as convenient internally as what we see today when you buy something on Amazon. And that mindset is also growing into organizations. But in my personal opinion, I think they need to speed up that process because it's crucial to remain or become successful in the next couple of years. Very well said. In my experience working in a lot of different organizations and industries, I noticed that human resource department, which is essential to business, focuses on the voice of employee from a benefits standpoint. And it's the CX champions and department that are really getting the voice of employee in terms of product development and product features and customer voice. So it's important that human resource and CX teams partner closely because they're not blending traditionally, and we have to make that happen. It's beautifully said. And I fully agree with you. The focus has been only on benefits or hiring people and the recruitment process, but there's so much more that can be done. There is. And we have to own it. It's not going to happen by itself. So all the human resource folks listening to this and all the... <laughs> 
All the roles, you know, I, I encourage people to break silos, work together, and don't wait for an executive to make that happen. You have to make it happen. Otherwise, the company will not grow and customers will leave. They'll feel the silos. It's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can learn a lot from each other and everyone has their own expertise that can bring value to the table. So we're coming to the end here. I want to ask you two final questions. First one is, if I had, I love asking this to everyone on my show, if I had all the CEOs and major leaders of companies in my room, what is the one thing you want them to know? What would you tell them? I would tell them that most of them are, are working on NPS or customer satisfaction measurements, right? They, they all have their Excel sheets with how well they're performing. I would tell them two things about that. The first is that the voice of the customer is, is not something that you can see in an Excel sheet. And that the goal should be to make sure that as many people in the organization as possible, including them, should get direct feedback from customers. And, you know, staring at an Excel sheet is like going to the zoo. It's, it's interesting, it's fascinating, and you should definitely do it. But it's only when you go to a safari that you know how animals really behave. And I think the same goes for customers. Don't just look at Excel sheets, but really go see customers in the wild and make sure that you see their behavior then, that you hear the oohs and the ahs directly from them. It will completely change your point of view of what people really, really value. That's, that's the one thing about their MPS scores and, and customer satisfaction scores. The second thing is that usually senior management can get really excited about um, a strategy to increase NPS, but that like 75% of their organization doesn't care at all. They're like, hey, this is just a game that you guys are playing in PowerPoint, whatever. So the challenge is if they want to make it work, what they need to do with the MPS course is to translate them back to every individual in the organization and tell every individual, eye to eye, tell them how they can contribute to that higher MPS. Just drill it down and make sure that everyone understands what their contribution is to happier customers. And then it will work. It's not just a game for the top management. It's something that you can bring into practice if you involve people. So that's what I would tell them about their customer satisfaction measurements. What you said is gold. I love it <laughs> very much. Thank you. Final question is a personal yes. question. Okay. If you could go back, knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time to your younger self, 20-year-old uh, Stephen, what would you <laughs> tell him that you know now? I would probably tell him to be more patient. I think I was someone 20 years ago, I wanted everything from day one. And I was really hoping that some miracle would happen and that I would... would yeah, be, be successful in the things that, that I wanted to be successful. Now I know that the fun part is actually the, the growth that you go through every day and, and new experiences that you discover along the way. And that it's not just making that jump forward that is crucial. It's just the continuous evolution that is really a lot of fun to, to experience. And that it's okay to be a little bit patient. I love it. And I believe that the next generation 
uh, I have uh, college students in my family and I know that they will benefit from what you just said and others to this question. It's really powerful. So thank you for that. And last thing is where can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to. Um, I'm, I'm on all online channels, so they can go to my YouTube channel, for instance. It's youtube.com slash my name, Stephen Van Bellegem, uh, or Instagram. I share a lot of yeah quotes about customer experience there, cases and uh, statistics. So every week they can see some new things. It's just, again, my name. They can follow me on LinkedIn. If they like my books, they can get them through my website or through the Amazon channels, of course. Uh, LinkedIn is also a place where I share a lot of content. So it would be great if people uh, come and look for me there. Well, I will share it in the show notes. I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you for saying yes and for doing what you are doing and making such a difference in the world. I'm so happy to know you. Thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure to be in your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, Doing CX Right.